Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. Joel Owen. I'm the lead pastor of Grace Fellowship Church, and I'm so thankful that you've tuned in with us this morning to join us in our homes once again, just to lead worship. I'm thankful to Kyle for leading us in worship through music, and now we're excited to be able to jump into God's Word and to find out what He has to say to us today. So thanks for coming along. If you're new with us, you've jumped in at a really great place because we're starting a new teaching series. Uh, We kind of began this last week for Easter where we are looking at the Gospel of Mark and we are following Christ to the cross. And so we looked at the resurrection of Jesus last week from the very last chapter of Mark. Today we're going to go back to the beginning of the book and we're going to see what led Jesus through His ministry to that place that He would be crucified, buried, and then came back to life again. So we're going to explore the Gospel of Mark over the next eight weeks together, and I'm glad that you're here to do that with us. Uh, Each week we're going to assign two chapters in this Gospel to look at. Uh, This week we're going to have asked you to to read Mark chapter 1 and chapter 2, and today I'm going to pick a section of that to be preaching from. Next week we'll look at 3 and 4, and I'll pick a section from that. And so here's what's exciting about that. You may read all during the week. In fact, I would encourage you to, to read those two chapters each day all week long from Sunday to Sunday. And then when we come together, you're not going to know each week what section from those two chapters I'm going to preach out of. If you want to send me a guess, you're welcome to do that. Email me or text me. Send me a message on Facebook, whatever you'd like to do. And maybe you just guess or maybe you'll kind of prod me to speak on something that stood out to you as you read. Uh, maybe you'll be right. Maybe you'll be wrong. You don't know. And so if you get it wrong and you say, oh man, I wish you had preached on that. You didn't touch on that. Here's how we're going to handle that. Uh, I want to invite you to join in with a life group. And each week when you go to life group, we're doing all our life groups online right now, but when you go to a life group, you're going to have an opportunity in that group to say, hey, Joel didn't preach on this on Sunday, but here's what God was speaking to me. Here's what stood out to me, or here's where I have a question. Does anybody have some answers to help guide me through? And so, uh, so we want you to engage in our life groups. If you're not in a life group currently, but you'd really love to be a part of that discussion, there's going to be a number that comes up on the bottom of the screen. We just want you to text the word TOGETHER to this number, and we would love to contact you and uh, help you get connected 
to one of our online life groups until we can all gather again. And then hopefully you can join in with a group when we all get back together. So that's our plug for life group this week. But with that in mind, let me tell you where we're going in Mark's gospel today. If you have your Bible, I would love for you to turn to Mark chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 13 through 17 together. And we're going to read that in just a few minutes. But before we dive into the text together, let me give you a little bit of background as to the nature of Mark's gospel, where it's uh, come from, what it's about, how we understand it. And so this is going to serve as a brief recap of events from chapter 1, getting us caught up to chapter 2, where we're going to look at verses 13 through 17. But if you're taking notes at home, here's a few things I want you to write down. Or if you have our app, fill in some blanks here. Here's the first thing. Mark's gospel is the first and it's the shortest of the four Gospels that we have. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. His is the first, and it's the shortest. William Barclay said about Mark's Gospel, when it was originally written, it was the most important book in the whole world. It was the first book about Jesus and His life. And so Barclay's take on that was that this was the most important book in the world. It was the first, the first one written about Jesus. It's also the shortest, though. There are only 16 chapters in Mark's gospel, so it makes it very accessible to people. It's the shortest part of the the gospels that we have, Uh, and because of that, it's really an action-packed gospel. Mark doesn't take time to give us a lot of details throughout most of the book. He just jumps in. In fact, even with the beginning of Jesus' life, he doesn't give us the birth narrative or anything about Jesus' childhood like some of the other Gospels do, he just jumps into the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And so the whole Gospel is action-packed. It moves quickly. Mark gives us snapshots of things. And he actually uh, tells stories in rapid succession that help build together the full picture of Jesus, his life, and his ministry. And so you're going to see Mark spend 10 chapters talking about the first three years of Jesus' life. Then the last six chapters, he's going to go in-depth and action-packed into the last week of Jesus' life. So it's a moving gospel, and we want you to jump in and know what it's about. Here's the second thing you can take notes on. Mark's gospel was written in approximately 60 A.D. to Christians in Rome. So it was pretty early after the life of Jesus. A lot of people think that the Gospels were written years and years and years later, and maybe it was like uh, tall tales that just grew and grew and grew over time. But Mark's Gospel is written within about 30 years of Jesus' life. And so you see in approximately 60 AD that he's written this to the Christians in Rome. And it's highly possible that because of Mark's long-term relationship with the Apostle Peter, that he got a lot of the stories from Peter's point of view. That he sat down with Peter and heard him tell stories. There are other aspects that Mark experienced personally with Jesus. And so Mark is writing from a first-person perspective of the life of Jesus. He is uh, writing these things down from first-person experiences, either Peter's or his own. But it's a very early gospel. Here's number three. Mark's gospel records more miracles than any of the other gospels. He tells us these stories and he's going to help us see and notice through the book that there are a lot of amazing things that Jesus does. 
And he'll write them, not necessarily chronologically, but he'll put them together in events. So as you read through the Gospel of Mark, they don't necessarily have to take place. This happened, then this happened, then this happened. There are chronological sections of the book of Mark, especially when we get to the last six chapters and we see the last week of Jesus' life. But by and large, as Mark is writing the book, He's helping us to understand what Jesus did in glimpses. So he might tell stories that really relate to one another that are similar, but they don't happen this and then this and then this or this location and then this location. He's just telling groupings of stories to help us figure out who Jesus is. So when you open the first page of Mark's gospel, you're going to see several things of importance from the very beginning. And I want us to look at these really quickly because I want you to have an idea of where Mark's come from in the first chapter so that by the time we read chapter 2 verses 13 through 17, maybe it all makes a little bit more sense. I'm not going to go into great detail on this, but I want to at least give you some of the snapshots here so we get an idea of what Mark has been talking about. Study it for yourself. Read over these two chapters uh, over the, this week and get a picture of what Jesus is doing here and what God's doing. Here's the first thing you're going to notice. Mark opens his gospel telling the story of John the Baptist. John is known as the front runner of Jesus. Uh, John is not the Messiah. He tells people that, but he says, I've come to make a way for the Messiah. And so when we catch up with John, we see him baptizing in the Jordan River. And people are coming to him for baptism. And he tells the people, I am not the Messiah. After me comes one who's greater than I am. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. And yet they're coming to him in the desert to the Jordan River to be baptized. And John even says, the one who's coming after me has even a greater baptism than I have. I baptize with water, but there's one who's coming that's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And so he's pointing to Jesus, and then one day Jesus shows up, and he asks John to baptize him. The first part of Jesus' ministry, his public ministry, is to be baptized. And so John baptizes him in the Jordan River. Uh, second, we see Mark tell us about Jesus beginning to preach and to teach. And again, because Mark wants to do things quickly and in rapid succession, he just gives us like a snapshot of Jesus' first message. It's probably a message you wish I were preaching today, so it doesn't go for 20 or 30 or 40 minutes or whatever it's going to be. Uh, but he just says, Jesus began to preach and his message was, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of God is near. That's his first message. That's all Mark records. He goes, Jesus started preaching, and it's just repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. That's Jesus' message in a nutshell that he'll spend the rest of his life teaching people. A message of repentance from their sins so they can be a part of God's kingdom. It's come to the earth. So that's what we see next. Then we're going to see Jesus begin to call people to follow him. That's the next progression of Mark's gospel. He says he starts to call people and he starts to go to uh, fishermen and call them to follow him. The invitation is come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. We're going to divert you from fishing for fish. We're going to call you to fish for men to draw people that need to be in the kingdom of God, to let them know how to do that. And here's where I love, again, Mark's intensity and the forward movement of the gospel. He says two different times when Jesus makes these early calls, he says that once they left their nets and they followed him. And without delay, 
They left their father and they followed him. They followed Jesus. So Mark is just giving us these quick details. He goes, Jesus called them and at once they did it. And Jesus called them and without delay, they left everything to follow Jesus. And then finally, we see at the end of chapter 1, kind of wrapping some of this up to get to chapter 2, and at the beginning of chapter 2, Jesus does what He's going to do for the rest of His earthly ministry. He's spending His time healing the sick and forgiving sins. And so He is going to display power over demons. He's going to heal people of their sickness. And He is going to preach that people need to have their sins forgiven. We see that uh, in the public eye as Jesus steps into things. And in Galilee, in this region, uh, in the northern part of Israel in Galilee, He starts to step, step in as kind of a regional rabbi. Just He's known in this small region right now. And it's the beginning part of his ministry. Uh, and he starts to heal diseases. He starts to cast out demons. And he preaches a message of repentance. And while a lot of people start following him, it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody's excited about this new rabbi and his ministry. There's this group of people called the Pharisees. And they don't like that Jesus starts talking about forgiving sins. The last story in, in chapter 1 is a man who's been crippled from birth and he's brought to Jesus. And Jesus, before he heals him, he says, your sins are forgiven. And man, they hate that because they consider it to be blasphemy. They say, hey, who can forgive sins but God alone? And guess what? They're right. They're right. Only God can forgive sins. And Mark, without just laying it out and telling us, Mark is telling us that's who Jesus is. So as you're exploring this gospel from the very beginning, if you've never read the story of Jesus before, if you're curious about what's going on here and you're seeing this and you're saying the same thing that the Pharisees are saying, who is this guy? I mean, who thinks they can step in and forgive people's sins? Only God can do that. And Mark's trying to challenge us to allude to the fact that Jesus is God. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. And that's why He's come. So that brings us to the place this morning where we want to jump into our text in Mark chapter 2, verse 13. And I want us just to see how Jesus calls one particular man to follow Him. And in this call, we get a brief snapshot of all of Jesus' ministry. And so I want you to read this with me and check it out. It's going to jump up on your screen so you can see it together. In fact, if you want to, just read this out loud with your family. We'd love to have you read it with us. Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to Him, and He began to teach them. As He walked along, He saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed Him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Him and His disciples, for there were many who followed Him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And so as we see this, there are a couple of things that might be helpful to know as we jump into this text. So if you're taking notes, just write this down or fill in blanks on your app. Here's the first thing. Levi is also known as Matthew. 
That's who we're talking about here. Sometimes you'll see him referred to as Levi. Other times you'll see him referred to as Matthew. When we get to chapter 3 and Mark describes who was called to be followers of Jesus, he lists the name Matthew. That's Levi. Matthew would go on to write his own gospel account. And so that's who we're talking about. Here's the second thing. Tax collectors were despised by the Jewish people. Uh, and the reason for that was they had a role in playing where they were fleecing their own people of money under the support of the Romans. And so Matthew, Levi, would have been incredibly wealthy off the backs of his countrymen. He would have been under the support of Rome, being given freedom to not just tax what Rome required, but then on top of that to add whatever amount he wanted to take and have forcibly removed money from his own countrymen in order to, to gain wealth for himself. And so tax collectors who were Jewish people but working for Rome were hated by the Jews. So this morning, I want to give you a glimpse of what it might have looked like to see this story play out. There's a new series that's been out. Uh, it's on the internet. You can find it. It's called The Chosen. And in the glimpse that we're going to give you today, I want you to see this clip of a story where Jesus comes by Levi's tax booth and he calls him to follow him. Now, I have to be honest with you. I haven't seen the entire series of The Chosen, so I can't give it my glowing endorsement or recommendation like you need that from me. But here's what I can tell you. Everything I've seen of it has been really, really good. So if you're looking for something to watch, you've binged everything on Netflix, you're done with Tiger King, go check out The Chosen. It's really great. Here's a clip that just shows Jesus call Levi to follow him. Check this out. We live in the same world, Matthew. Next. Besides, what else are you going to do with a mind like yours? Matthew! Matthew, son of Alpheus! Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy has done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to What are you doing? Where do you think you're going? Guys, let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. when I chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. 
glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for. You will regret this, Matthew. What's the tablet for? I grabbed it without thinking. You can put it back. No, no, keep it. You may yet find use for it. Where are we going? A dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. You're the host. Well, as I teach today, I want to bring some things back up from this clip and point them back to Scripture and see how they interact with one another so that you get a better shot and sense of what we're talking about here. Can you imagine what it would be like to drop everything like Levi and the other disciples did and just start following Jesus? I mean, for Levi, this had to come out of great curiosity. Like there was something about Jesus that piqued his curiosity. Levi was doing something and seeing something that was unprecedented. A man that had come into town and started calling people to follow him, and they're dropping everything to do that. And then Jesus starts healing people and preaching like no one's ever heard before. And so Levi drops what he's doing and follows Jesus. And look again at this invitation from Jesus. Follow me. It's so simple. And it piques his curiosity. For Levi, for Matthew, it's a simple invitation. And here's what I love about it. If you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus asked Levi to do what's possible for anyone. Just follow. Right? Like, this is possible for anyone to do. Follow. Jesus doesn't begin His ministry calling people by saying, Hey, believe me. Obey me. Trust me. That's not where He starts with people. He starts just by saying, Hey, follow me. Come check this out. If you're curious about who I am, if you're curious about what's going on, just come be near me. Come be around me. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you're someone that's been stuck at home for weeks on end. You can't go anywhere. Everything's closed. Nobody's doing anything. And you've gotten bored to the point that you're like, you know what? I need some answers from a spiritual perspective. I'm going to check out church. I just need something that's going to help give me some sense of what's going on in this world. Maybe there's an answer in religion. Maybe there's an answer in God. Maybe there's an answer in Christianity. And so you would never have woken up today or checked out a video online. You would never have gotten up and gone to church yourself and been around strangers and people you don't know and maybe people you don't understand or you think are weird or crazy, but you're sitting at home. You're in the security and safety and comfort of your living room or your bedroom, and you just checked out church. Man, we're glad you're here. And I'm so thankful you checked us out because I think Jesus has something for you. I think He's got the answers you're looking for. And I hope, like Levi, your curiosity about Jesus just gets piqued enough to say, hey, I'll just follow Him. Maybe at first at a distance, but I'll check this out. Here's what I want you to hear today. Following Jesus will cause curiosity to give way to fulfillment. That's what's going to happen in your life. When you follow Jesus, it's going to start out with curiosity, but it's ultimately going to give way to fulfillment. And I want you to know this. Jesus is worth following. Levi had tried other things, and it all left him unfulfilled. Levi had everything that Rome could give to him, and he still was looking for something else. 
And, and so maybe that's you. Maybe you followed the money. Maybe you followed the crowd. Maybe you followed things you thought would bring fame or attention to yourself. But at the end of it all, you've still been left unfulfilled. That was Levi. That's where he was. He had everything he could want, but he was unfulfilled. Maybe you've tried to find fulfillment in marriage and that didn't completely do it for you. Maybe you thought you would find ultimate fulfillment in your kids and even that hasn't done it for you. Maybe it was drugs, maybe it was sex, maybe it was popularity, grades, whatever it is that you thought would bring you fulfillment and you still have been left unfulfilled. And Jesus goes, hey, I want you to follow me. And I want you to know that when your curiosity is peaked and you follow me, you're going to find ultimate fulfillment. And so if you haven't found the things that fill your heart and give you purpose and meaning, I want you to know this today. Jesus is looking your way and He's calling for you. The same way that He did for Levi when He passed by His tax booth and He called him by name. Jesus is calling your name today too and saying, hey, follow me. Come check it out. And I love how in that clip we watched that Jesus calls him, hey, Levi. And Levi kind of looks like talking to me. And then he goes, Levi, son of Alphaeus. Right? And Peter, Peter was the other disciple that jumped in and started going, hey, Jesus, what are you doing? Like, do you have any idea what this guy's done? Do you even know him? And Jesus just goes, yes. Yeah, I know him. That's Levi. That's Matthew. He's the son of Alphaeus. I, I'm aware of who this guy is. And so Levi's going, how could you possibly have known my name? How could you have known who I am? I want to tell you something today. Jesus knows your name. Jesus knows who you are. He knows who you belong to. He knows what you've done. He knows what's been done to you. He knows who's hurt you and He knows who you've hurt. And He wants you anyway. He's calling you. Hey, follow me. That's the beauty of the gospel. Jesus looks past what you've done and He says He wants you anyway. I love that. Here's the next thing you can write down if you're taking notes and filling in blanks on our outline on the app. Jesus specializes in calling people who don't think they belong to follow Him. And isn't that good news? Jesus calls out to people who don't think they belong, come and follow me. Because He wants us. Now, I want to be clear on this point. I'm going to have this come up on screen so you can read it. Don't worry about trying to write all this down. There's no blanks to fill in, but I want you to see this point. Jesus isn't looking for a bunch of people to just wander around behind Him exploring forever. Following in proximity eventually must cause you to choose to become a disciple, doing what Jesus was doing, or find something else to dedicate your life to. All right, now here's what I want you to get. When Jesus calls you to follow Him, and come follow me, He's not saying this is a forever kind of thing, just wander around behind me, see what I do, read what I'm about, follow after me at a distance, keep me at arm's reach. He goes, at some point, I want the come and follow around near me to become follow me in the path of obedience and doing what I'm doing. He wants you to become a disciple. He wants you to enter into a relationship. And if you're not going to do that, you need to go find something else that you think is going to fulfill you. But here's the promise I'll leave with you. Only Jesus will really fulfill you. Only Jesus will really satisfy you. 
Now that doesn't mean that following Jesus is going to be easy. In fact, He promises that it's not. He tells us this is going to be a hard life. But in the end, it's worth it. Where it leads to eternal life is worth it. Now, when Levi left the tax collector's booth, we see that Jesus goes to his house for a meal. And I love how in the clip, again, it's not Scripture, but in the clip he goes, uh, we're going to have this meal. And Levi says, I'm not welcome at celebrations. Like the Jewish people don't want me there. And Jesus goes, oh no, it won't be a problem this time. We're going to your house. Like Jesus just invites himself over. I love that. And, and he says, no, 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 we're going to your place. You're throwing this party. This is your meal. I hope you've got everything ready. And so Levi gets all of his tax collector buddies together and invites them to this party. And here's Jesus hanging out with people that are bad company, right? Like apparently Levi just keeps bad company because in the Jewish mind, they would call these guys sinners, right? Like that's what they called them. I don't know if that's PC or not, but they go, hey, Jesus, you're hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. Why are you doing that? And it messes with the Pharisees. The party gets to this point where Jesus is hanging out with sinners and it infuriates the religious leaders. Look at verse 16. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Right? Like that's the question of the night. The Pharisees' idea about what it meant to be religious or pious or godly was that you would keep your distance from anything that might look like or be sinful, even people. And so when they see this, they don't know what to do with Jesus because Jesus doesn't keep his distance. He's not practicing the six to ten foot rule. He's not practicing the ten or fewer rule of keeping your social distance. Jesus goes and he hangs out with the people that the Pharisees, the religious leaders, would call sinners. Right? And it blows their mind because they're looking at him and going, on the Sabbath, you're a rabbi in the synagogues. But every other day of the week, you're hanging out with sinners, right? Like you're the pastor on the Sabbath and then you're at the club the rest of the week. We don't know what to do with that. And Jesus' disciples don't even really know what to do with that. Because the Pharisees ask them. They don't ask this question directly to Jesus. They go to the disciples and go, why does your master hang out with sinners and tax collectors? And they kind of look at each other like, we just started following him too and we're not exactly sure why he does that. <laughs> We'll go ask Him for you. And so that's what they do. Verse 17, they go ask Jesus. And they say, On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. I haven't come to call the righteous, but sinners. And so basically Jesus is saying, I hang out with the people that you call sinners because that's exactly who I came to the earth to save. Right? Like, doctors don't make house calls to healthy people. If a doctor shows up at your house, unless you invited them over for a meal, if a doctor shows up at your house, something's bad wrong. Like, doctors don't make house calls for healthy people. And Jesus isn't showing up at Levi's house, Matthew's house, just because he wants a new friend. Jesus is there as the answer to the sin problem. Jesus is there to draw people in who have been called unwanted and unloved to say to them, the grace of God and the love of God is for you. And when nobody else in society wants you, you need to know that God does. And as Christians, 
Man, that's the message we are supposed to carry. That's what we've been entrusted with, is a message to the rest of the world. You may not find fulfillment and purpose in anything else, but there is a God who loves you. He wants a relationship with you, and you're invited in. And we want to be with you. We want to hang out with you. But that's a mindset change, right? Here's the challenging thought for me, and I wonder where it'll sit with you. I wonder if in a lot of times I'm in belief about Jesus, but my behavior reflects the Pharisees. Man, I wonder if mentally I kind of go, yeah, God wants sinful people. We're supposed to go and take the message of the gospel to people who are lost and away from Christ and don't know Him and don't follow Him. and Maybe they don't even like Him, but that's who I'm supposed to be going and hanging out with. But there's a part of me in my Christianity that goes, yeah, but those people, they're dangerous and unsafe and unclean and they're not right and I should stay away from them because somehow my godliness, my righteousness has to do with staying away from people who aren't following the God way. And Jesus does the exact opposite. He goes, man, that's who you're supposed to go hang out with. That's who you're supposed to be around. That's who I would go spend time with. And so Christians, for us, the call and the challenge is to go and be with people who don't know Jesus as their Savior. And I wonder if since coming into faith in Christ... Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and somewhere along the way you thought, you know what, the way to be a real Christian is to be with Christian people all the time. Separate myself from anything that looks or appears evil to just be more godly. And Jesus is going, look, I don't want you to embrace everything that sinful people are doing and I don't expect you to even say that what they're doing is right, but I want you to be with them. And I want you to love them. And I want the love of God to flow through you to them in a way that says there's something that's missing in my life that they have. And I want it too. And so Jesus preferred spending time with sinful people and showing them God's grace more than being around those who called themselves righteous and religious. We're all sinful people. We're all deserving of God's wrath. And because God is infinitely holy, our sin against an infinitely holy God deserves infinite punishment. That's why Jesus had to go to the cross. Your sin, my sin, deserves to be punished forever and ever. That's why the reality of hell is so difficult. But you don't have to go to hell. The power of the cross is that Jesus took the wrath of God for us to set us free, to save us from our sins, and to draw us into Him. In the video clip that we watched earlier, there's a moment where Peter pushes back against Jesus inviting Levi in. And I'm just going to kind of go back through this uh, narrative a little bit together. Peter says, I don't get it. And Jesus goes, you didn't get it when I chose you either. And Peter says, no, this is different. I'm not a tax collector. And Jesus' response is, get used to different. Get used to different. Like, that's why I've come. 
the next part of, of Mark's gospel in verses 18 and following, Jesus starts saying things like, hey, you don't put a new patch on old clothing because when you wash it, the patch will rip the hole even bigger. And you don't put new wine in old wineskins because it'll burst the skin. And all of this is saying you don't take something that's old and combine it with something that's new and expect it to work out. There has to be this new that's coming. And Jesus goes, this grace, this love, this is different than following the law. This is new. It's different. Get used to different. And that's what He's calling us to. You don't have righteousness in Christ because you follow the law and keep the law. You have righteousness in Christ because you have submitted to Him for salvation. You've accepted His grace and His mercy and His love. Now, it's our responsibility as Christians to take that grace, mercy, and love and go tell other people it's available to them. So who do you need to go to? If you don't know Jesus today, you're just invited to follow along. Check Him out. See what He's about, what He's doing, who He says He is, the claims that He makes, the things that He does to change people's hearts and know He can change your heart too, that He loves you and He's calling you. If you are a follower of Christ today, who do you need to go to? And who do you need to minister grace and mercy and love to? Maybe it's just in your neighborhood, around your neighbors that you're seeing and spending time with for the first time. Maybe it's a coworker, a family member, a friend. But there are people you know who don't have a relationship with Jesus. And instead of drawing back from them, we need to move toward them. And so this morning, I want us to close just by praying to that end. Ask God to show you what your next step needs to be. So will you pray with me? And so Father God, I ask you for two things in this moment as we pray. God, first for the person that doesn't know you, that's not following you, but they're curious about you. There's something missing in their life. They're unfulfilled and they need something to change them. God, we know as Christians that you're the only one who can do that through Jesus. And so I pray for those who would be curious enough today to just say, I'll, I'll start following just to listen, just to watch, just to read, to see who Jesus is. And then God, I pray that your spirit will draw them from following at a distance to following in discipleship. That they'll become true, genuine believers in Jesus to obey Him and be changed by Him. Then, Father, for those of us who are Christians, who know You and love You and walk with You, God, send us out to people who need to show, be shown the grace and the love and the mercy of their God. To know that the salvation that Jesus bought for us on the cross is available to them and that they're loved and wanted in your kingdom. And so, Father, we pray for that this week. And as we go out from this time of meeting and this watching this service, God, I just pray that you'll use us to powerfully impact our world around us. I love you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's what I want you to see uh, as we move forward. Two things really quick. Number one, next week I want to encourage you to read Mark's Gospels chapter 3 and 4. And we're going to talk about something within those two chapters next week. And then secondly, we're going to extend this broadcast time for the next uh, about 10 minutes so that you can just interact with us online. If there's something that you want to say and you're watching on Facebook or through our website, you can just type some things in. We've got some people who would love to interact with you. 
If you need to ask for prayer or you want something more private that you can talk to someone about, there's a number that's going to be on the, the bottom of your screen. Would you just text HELP to the number on the bottom of the screen? And we would love to start a conversation with you and to text back and forth with you. So thanks so much for being a part of our worship service today. I love you. I hope you have a great day, and I will see you again soon. God bless you. Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.